Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. Here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds like something you want to listen to on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Great review, subscribe. If you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. At Charlie underscore Burris and at Zach TNT on Twitter is our handles. At A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports.com. If you want to find all the good stuff that Zach writes, he's stirring folks up this morning. We're going to talk about that a little <laughs> later on the show about what he's doing. But first. Tennessee, Tennessee Tech was yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday. Tennessee just smokes them as they should. FCS Tennessee Tech. They were relative even to Tennessee's not great set of talent. Tennessee Tech was just no match at all. Wasn't even close. Tennessee manhandled them. Uh, but some stuff happened during the game that's actually of note. That's that's not usually usual. Usually usual? What a redundant sentence. That was stupid. It's not like I talked for a job. Uh, that's not typical uh, of a game like the Tennessee Tech game. But uh, there was some stuff to actually talk about to derive from this. We're going to get into all of it. Zach, what's up, man? Uh, you know, first off, I have to mention, we almost, for the second week in a row, correctly predicted yeah. the score. And this time it was you. It was you. You were you. Uh, you nailed the Tennessee's points with fifty six. I uh, I realized that if only the, uh, Tennessee had given up a touchdown, I would have hit it right on the head. So mm-hmm. close. Uh, so, yeah, but we both had them scoring over fifty points. So I feel like you know score outcome, kind of what we were hoping for and expected, and they did take care of that. But like you said, lots of other storylines coming out of this game. That game is a two edged sword. Because it, it went, score-wise, outcome-wise, it went about as well as you could have. it. Defense was completely dominant. They just destroyed Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech had no answer. They were playing some kid that had never even played in a college football game at quarterback. It was rough. Um, you did you did what you needed to do there. Hopefully that gives them confidence going into the, the Florida game this coming week. Offensively, 56 points. One of those was a defensive touchdown. One of those was uh, a, a what should have been a pick six with Alante Taylor barely steps out of bounds, but he actually stepped out of bounds at a different point than where they put the football. Thank you refs. Um, But everything went basically as planned, but (laughs) you have this cloud hanging over the quarterback situation as is always perpetually the case at Tennessee. It's just, you could say that basically at any time outside of the the couple of years where Josh Dobbs was the guy you could have said exactly that for every single moment of all of those years for always for Tennessee in the last 15 years um and it's weird because you won 56 to 0 but we got to talk about it who is Tennessee's starting quarterback right now let's start there and then we'll move to Harrison Bailey and all that other stuff yeah it's it's you score 56 points and Hendon Hooker passed for 199 yards. I mean, you feel like it should have been a 400-yard passing game, right? I mean, you said Tennessee Tech, not very good. I think some of their defensive tackles weighed 
less than most defensive ends. I mean, this is a way overmatched team. I mean, it was silly how overmatched they were. And it still felt like, you know, Tennessee's quarterback situation just, I mean, it's it's frustrating to watch at times because you've got these guys with experience, Hendon Hooker, that's, you know, come from Virginia Tech and, and have saw a lot of time there. Joe Milton, who didn't play, but he's got all that experience and upside. And you got a former five-star recruit uh, in Harrison Bailey sitting at as a third-string quarterback. And he didn't look like a five-star guy at all in garbage time against a terrible team. Uh, it seems like there's just no clear straight ahead, this is how Tennessee should go. And, you know, what, what does that mean? Does it mean anything at all? Is it just bad luck? that Hypo drew these quarterbacks or is kind of like we talked about last week. Is he really a guy that can develop quarterbacks? What, I mean, is it too early to tell? There's so many questions right now. It, it's tough to break down because I, this is my, my take on the situation between hooker Milton hookers, a, a mean runner. He, he, I like his play style in a general sense. He's not a great passer and he's also, I don't want to say he's careless with the football. He uh, like like yesterday he they were running a, an option play and he was trying to pull it from the running back and fumbled the football. Like you can't do that. You can't do that. An SEC play that turned into a touchdown and things escalate quickly. You can't do that. He's going to have to early, play up. the earlier fumble where he was just hit, just tackled and lost the ball right at the beginning <laughs> of the game. I mean, that's you got to protect the football when you're about to get hit. And thankfully, that one, I, well, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on the kid. You want to think with some, you know, like a guy like Jeremy Banks, you could say like, hey, stop doing stupid stuff. And he would do it. And he continues to do stupid stuff. <laughs> Hinton Hooker, I mean, I, he wants to make the play in that situation. He just wants to make the play. He had made a great play up to that point. Mm -hmm. He was scrambling out of getting sacked essentially he turns it into something gets downfield and gets racked but and should have torn his acl frankly if you watch yeah. that that play i don't know he has bionic knees however that happened if um, you go back and watch that play though what's even more concerning to me is that he had a couple of receivers there right yes. at the beginning of the play mm -hmm. plays that he could have made that he didn't miss like he didn't have to scramble so yeah, there's good in his running ability, but in that situation, that's probably not what Josh Heupel wanted him to do anyway. Absolutely. Uh, I I even I think I texted that somebody yesterday. He fumbles that ball, and we were like, what a ridiculous sequence that was. And my first thought when you watch that replay, dude was wide open right in the middle of the field, right in front of Hooker's face, seemingly. Not sure why he missed it, but he did. And um, overall, I mean, his play... More than good enough to win that game. But you look at it and you just go, this guy is still not going to make us a world beater. He's just not. Is he the best guy? I think so because he puts a little more finesse on the ball than Milton does. He's a good runner. He's as good, if not a better runner than Milton is. Um, and then let's get to Harrison Bailey. So Harrison Bailey comes into garbage time. You already mentioned it there. He just looks... I don't want to say a deer in, deer in headlights. It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't seem like his system. It's, it's just not what he was meant to play in. He he just looked disjointed. He he ran the offense fine in a general sense, but it just, just something's not there, whatever it is. Maybe it's just because he's young and he'll fall into it given some time. Not sure, but 
just just looking at that, I know a lot of people said he's oh he's playing with the twos, he's playing with the twos. You're, you're playing Tennessee Tech. You're playing Tennessee Tech. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. It's <laughs> he didn't look correct. He didn't look right in in that offense. I mean, he was what three of seven, I think. Three of seven for sixteen yards. QB rating of twenty five. Like it just isn't isn't there. There is. I, I was honestly I was surprised by how much of the number three quarterback he looked like. Like he went in, and I was thinking it would kind of be a two A two B look. Probably like a, he was going to come in, probably throw for a hundred yards, make some nice passes. And we're going to be like, oh boy, he can he can throw the deep ball, but he can't run. Who should we choose? Like I thought it was going to be a situation like that, and it wasn't even that. They gave him the opportunity too. They get don't like. I know people were thinking, oh, they might put him in. All do is hand the ball off. No, I mean he he had the chance. Seven passes. It's not a ton. But he, he got to throw a deep ball. And the deep ball is probably his best looking pass. It didn't connect. But um, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe some of these people watched a different game than I did. I don't I don't see it. Maybe he does need to get a chance in a bigger game with the number ones. I, you did not convince me of that yesterday. You, The great guys make the plays. The great guys make the plays. That's, that's all I can say. And he just... It's either not there yet or it's just not going to happen. I was kind of surprised uh, by some of the reaction from fans, actually. I'll tell you, every Sunday, I usually take a look at some of the Tennessee message boards to get a just a pulse of the fan base because those are the most locked-in fans. Those aren't your Twitter fans that are very negative and just there for a good time on Saturdays. And they're not your Facebook fans who casually keep up with the program. These are the fans that are living and breathing uh, Tennessee football every day, probably the same people listening to this podcast. And there was a lot of people that I read comments from that seemed like they saw Bailey play yesterday and they get it now. They understand why he's the third string quarterback. It's, It's what you said. He just did not. It just doesn't feel right. It just felt awkward, forced. Um, one thing that I took away from seeing all three of these quarterbacks play is that Hooker, it seems like the offense moves pretty well with Hooker, but he has the turnover issues. But Joe Milton is the guy, I, I tweeted it earlier this year, he can look elite and also very subpar at the exact same time. Uh, he has elite physical skills, but he's also, I think, the alpha male of that quarterback room. I think Joe Milton is the guy that is the leader that has really stepped up. Honestly, if it's a situation where they're going down in the fourth quarter and they need to score, I think I would probably trust Milton to run the offense. I don't know if he's going to execute, but I would trust him to take control of the offense and be like, hey, guys, we're going down the field and we're going to score. And that's something, if you look at some of Heupel's comments back during uh, spring camp, into the fall before they named a starter. That's one of the attributes that he really wants is just a leader. That That's one of the more important things to him when it comes to a quarterback. And I'm not saying Bailey doesn't have that because I think you have to have it to, to earn a scholarship from a SEC program. But I'm not sure he has it at the level that it takes to you know win games in the SEC on a consistent basis. Agreed. I I would suggest everybody, and this is not this is not just shameless self promotion. Was it was informative for me too? Go listen to the post game show that I did with Jonathan Crompton yesterday on on A to Z Sports on uh, the social medias on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. It's all there. 
Um, did a post game show with Jonathan Crompton, and he spoke to this and just kind of said it seemed like with Bailey, it for lack of better words, it was like he didn't want to be out there. You sort of said that there. It just felt like it just it's not his deal. It's not his energy. It's not what um, you know, it just doesn't it flow, whatever it like. It's <laughs> it sounds like a millennial thing to say. The, the vibe's not there. <laughs> as stupid as that may sound, I think people know, probably know what I'm saying when I say that. If you watched him play in that game yesterday, I think you do. And uh, so, so go listen to what Crompton said about it because he he agrees with us. What we're saying here, but he can speak to it at a level of I was the quarterback at the University of Tennessee for a time. Um, and so just on the whole, it's. It's disappointing because you just saw, I mean, the kids got, what is he, like the number three all-time passer in the state of Georgia as a high school player. He had all his hype and everything, and Tennessee so badly needs a quarterback, and it just but that, isn't that hype, um, that's something I want to touch on. And I've always kind of felt this a little bit, and maybe it was the inner fan in me that wanted to push it to the back burner and never face it. But, I mean, I think... Bailey was a bit overrated coming out of high school and because of those numbers, you know, you see the numbers he put up with Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields. He's in that neighborhood there in Georgia, but he was throwing passes to Ricky White, Michigan State wide receiver who looked great at Marietta, Uh, his current teammate, Ramel Keaton, and then Eric Gilbert, one of the freakiest athletes we've ever seen coming out of high school. Just a dude that's built like a defensive end, but runs incredibly fast, can catch the ball. I mean, all he had to do was get the ball in those guys' hands. And if you go watch some of Bailey's highlights from high school, there was a lot of deep balls he connected on, a lot of 50-50 balls where he's got elite wide receivers coming down with the throws. Uh, But then you had a lot of short passes, you know, five, ten-yard routes that his receivers turned into huge gains because they just couldn't be tackled. I mean – they were elite wide receivers playing against great high school competition. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Bailey was playing a very high level in Georgia, but there's not many players like those guys that come out of those schools. And I mean, I think that really, I think Bailey's more probably like a three-star guy and those guys turned him into a five-star guy. I, th- I think I agree from, from what we've seen so far, because you can just, Tell. I, I said it on the last show here. When Heupel ran his offense with Drew Locke, you just looked at Drew Locke and you go, that's an NFL quarterback. You can you just tell. You, like those guys make those plays. And it as of right now, unless he turns some serendipitous corner and really does something we don't know that he can do, it's it's not there for Bailey. I, I would advise, like, I know Tennessee fans, it just seems like, like, I actually just had somebody on Twitter to to my tweet yesterday where I was like, it's sort of clear that why he's the third guy. Somebody said, when Tennessee is 500 for the year and Bailey hits the portal and we have no QBs and have to start over, bring that same energy. First of all, Milton has more years of eligibility. It won't have to go anywhere, so you will still have a quarterback, technically speaking. But um, I will. I will. Because Tennessee can do better. You can do better. You can find another quarterback. They can do it better. I will bring that same energy because go out and get the guy, Josh Heupel, because Bailey's not your guy already. Like, Bailey didn't recruit 
Harris or uh, Heupel didn't recruit Harrison Bailey. Like, go find your guy. Sorry, you had to kick uh, kick Salter off the team. That was unfortunate. Also, it's the kid just making his own dumb mistakes, and it's a situation that Heupel walked into. Like, go go find the guy that fits best in this into this system because clearly he's found him in the past, and it can it can happen. I'm I'm not. I'm not discouraged about the QB situation overall, even if we haven't figured out yet what we talked about last week, where we sort of said, is it just that Heupel's system is effective and it makes the quarterback look good? Or is it that he is actually a quarterback whisperer? Is he a David Cutcliffe who can take a quarterback and turn him into, you know, turn him into a world-class guy? We're not totally sure yet, but to me, whatever it is, I want to see Hypo go get his dude and figure that out, and we can go from there. That's where I'm at on the situation. As of right now, this is what you have. This is the situation that you are given. Find the best guy. Is it Milton? Is it Hooker? Because as of right now, it's not Bailey, and I get it from what I've seen. And that's my take on it for now. I just I have to go with what I've seen. I have to go with my eyes. I, I don't know. It's the eye test. What am I supposed to do? It's to say that three for seven and a 25 QBR is going to win the starting job at the university of Tennessee to go play football in the swamp next week and just get annihilated. No, that's not a good choice. It's not. And so that's, you know, my feeling on the situation, not to get too worked up there. I I feel like pretty much agree. I feel moving forward. I think Joe Milton is going to get the start against Florida. If he's healthy, feels that way. I think, like I said, I think Hypo likes his poise. I think he likes the way he navigates the pocket. Uh, he he likes his arm. He loves his arm. Who doesn't? Um, obviously, during practice, he was probably hitting on more of those passes than he is in games. But I think Hypo's okay with that. As long as as long as they're not underthrows, they're overthrows. They want to hit them, but they don't want to turn the ball over either. I think they feel like they're eventually going to hit on some of those passes and maybe Milton, I don't know, maybe the timing will, will get there with the wide receivers. I mean, he wasn't here during the spring or he didn't participate in spring practice. And that is important to remember. He doesn't have quite as much time with these wide receivers as you'd like. I do think Harrison Bailey's on transfer watch at this point. I think he'll finish the season out. I think it's just his character. He's, he's a great kid by all means. Uh, Everything you hear about him is positive. I, I don't think he's going to Brian Mauer it and leave in the middle of the year. But if he's clearly the third string guy, Milton has eligibility remaining. I think Hooker has that extra year of eligibility remaining if he wants to come back next year. Taven Jackson is committed. He's a four-star quarterback. He's committed. That's the first high school quarterback at Tennessee that Josh Heupel has recruited. And, you know, that's going to maybe be his guy that he looks to to lead this team. Where does that leave Bailey? You know, I think, like you said, unless there's a bunch of injuries, uh, Bailey's not really going to get his shot here. And even if he does, it's really not a great fit. It, it just seems in everybody's best interest if, if Bailey does, you know, move on after the season. Not that I'm hoping, not that I want him to go or anything like that. Uh, again, I think he's a good kid. I just think that's probably the situation that's going to happen. What would suck so badly? It's from Marietta, Georgia. I mean, Georgia just whatever it is with what Kirby does down there, he does not get the best out of his quarterbacks. But if if Bailey leaves and he goes to Georgia, I don't know if they even want. I, I don't know. But what a nightmare would that would be. <laughs> 
Well, it's interesting because Eric Gilbert, uh, his former teammate, you know, transferred to Georgia. He's yeah. away from the team now. Gilbert's dealt with stuff. You know, he's he was at LSU, left the program, was going to come back maybe, and then went to Georgia, but then left the program. I mean, that's where he's from. So, I mean, you could see a, a connection there between it, between the two, but. I wrote about it this morning, and I can't wait to read the comments. I think Florida could be, I think no, Florida I, could be one to watch because no. Bailey grew up uh, a Florida fan. He said at one point during the recruiting process, it was his dream school. His mom's a Florida fan, and you know he he kind of wants to play for an offensive minded head coach at this point. It seems like he mentioned that during the recruiting process, which was why it was kind of a surprise that he ended up signing with Tennessee. Uh, I, I didn't really think that was going to be the case just because of his mindset, especially that was when Tennessee was going through some offensive coordinator issues at the time. So playing for Dan Mullen in Florida, Dan Mullen seems to get, I mean, kind of like Heupel's been. He he gets something out of quarterbacks that you don't really expect at times. And and you know how Florida is. They they love putting the number two, number three quarterback in and, and shocking Tennessee. So that would <laughs> be like the nightmare scenario for, for Tennessee fans. I, uh, I don't don't speak it into existence. That's that's all I'll say. That's maybe my it'll two be maybe it'll that. be maybe it'll be Michigan. I mean, he uh, that was his other school he almost committed to Jim Harbaugh. Who knows what happens there? But maybe it's Michigan and nobody really has to worry about it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I I mean, I want the kid to go find whatever he needs to go find. At, at the end of the day, go go do what's best for you because it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen at Tennessee. Yeah, he could have easily left Online. after. You know, after Pruitt was fired and with the exodus of other players, he could have easily joined them and, and headed somewhere else. I mean, he he chose to stay, and you have to appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And we'll kind of leave it there. I mean, the, the question is, and we're going to – we can tie this question in to talking about Florida. Who is going to be the starting quarterback next week? Sounds like you think it's going to be Milton. It's – Hard, hard for me to think that because Hooker has kind of clearly played better, but I think you are right. I think Hypo sees him more in that leadership position, which matters. I guess we'll see. Um, but I, the the tough thing with Milton, where it was, it just makes me go yikes. Like that, not not our, not only are his overthrows like not great, they're like really bad. Is because so Heupel's offense when when uh, he calls those long throws, the goal is not to have. I mean, the goal is to have an incredibly accurate pass that falls right to the receiver's hands. But really, that's how many times is that really going to happen? Where you just throw a perfect ball? That's a lot to ask of a college quarterback on a consistent basis. The goal there is really to just get it in the orbit of the receiver. And one of two things will happen. He either goes up and makes the play, which that happened yesterday um, with Javante Payton, and that then it works. Or uh, you go up and you get a pass interference call. And that's like the entire goal of that. And Milton like couldn't even get it in even close to that range. And I just went, this is like, this is made to be easy on a quarterback. This whole setup is just, it's literally like, just don't throw an interception. That's all we're asking. And he like is just bombing it out, throwing it out of the stadium. That's that's my only hesitation with Milton right now is that sort of stuff where it's 
it's not just that he kind of has stone hands. They're like really, really bad. <laughs> but oh yeah, hey. you're you're right. It's almost like throwing routes against air. I mean, that's all they're really doing out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just yeah, my it's my two cents. But there. then with Hooker, um, I think it, we have to mention that that his receivers at times have not helped him out either. Oh, There's man. been some brutal drops. Uh, Javante Payton. I mean, he Twice redeemed yesterday. himself. He redeemed himself with that catch in the end zone where he he barely got his foot down. But right before that, I mean, that was an inexplicable drop, right in his hands. That should have been there. Uh, th- I mean, and that's why I say Hooker. Like, sure, you can talk about maybe Milton is the better leader and all that stuff, but Hooker is just playing better. Mm-hmm. Again, do my eyes deceive me? I don't think so. He puts more touch on the ball and. That's not saying a lot, given what Milton has shown so far. But I mean, he just does, and, and he's a mean runner. I I really like. He can make plays when a play breaks down, and he can make plays when it's a called quarterback run. Like I, I liked what I saw. Um, he just has to take care of the football. That's do, that's. I mean, to to win this couple of week, he's got to play a flawless game. Yeah, essentially, do, starter. Do either of these quarterbacks give Tennessee a real chance in this game against Florida, though? In my opinion, no. Um, unless they pull a miracle performance out. Uh, it, it would have to be flawless. It would, it would, you don't have to make every single play this coming week, but you cannot hurt yourself is how I would put it. And I just don't see how that's possible. I just don't from what I've seen from these two guys. And Florida admittedly, you know, barely losing Alabama. That was a much different outcome than I was expecting. That definitely does not give me hope for this week and I was already feeling pretty negative about this game before Florida and Alabama even kicked off yesterday so the the surprise that I saw I would say maybe Emory Jones was a little better than I thought he was going to be but not not crazy crazy better thing that was surprising to me was their defensive line they were good last year that defensive line was good last year they were giving Alabama serious problems and if you got all of these injuries that Tennessee has on the O line right now, I don't like that. I do no, not like that matchup. Look, Tennessee did not run the ball great against Tennessee Tech's tiny defensive line. They averaged four point three yards per carry. They ran for two hundred and eight yards, but that's forty seven carries. I mean, and if you take Hendon Hooker's seven yards uh, a carry out of that, out of those stats there. I mean, Tennessee was averaging less than four yards a carry against Tennessee Tech. What are they going to do against Florida running the ball? You have to be able to run the ball to, to win this game. And I just haven't seen that they've been able to do it this year. And it is kind of strange because after that Bowling Green game, that's where I really thought Tennessee was going to excel. But it's clear what this has turned into where teams kind of saw they just clamped down on the run game mm-hmm. to force Tennessee to throw the ball because that is – undoubtedly this team's biggest weakness. And I think it just plays right into Florida's hands. It plays into their, their, their defensive line as a strength. And then your weakness is still on the ball. I mean, they're going to be able to stop the run. So you have to throw the ball. And, and they as I said, to, it's going to require like a flawless performance yeah. for the quarterback. Florida is not going to have to stack the box to stop the run against Tennessee. Exactly. That's what is really, and they've got speed. Yeah. It's oof. I'm going to really talk myself into a blowout here. It feels like not that, what I was hoping to do. I, I just, 
I have to be to- totally realistic. Is this is what I've seen from this Tennessee team so far good enough to beat the entire bottom half of the SEC East? Yes, I do. Kentucky almost lost to Chattanooga this weekend. Missouri doesn't look amazing. Vanderbilt is so bad. It's so bad. They got crushed by Stanford last night. I, you know, like, yeah, you're going to be better than that bottom half, probably, if not just just as good at a minimum, but probably better. But, I mean, this upper half, you're just not there. You're just not there. And then, like, what we're saying doesn't even account for, like, the depth that's not there for Tennessee. That's That might be the scariest thing. Heupel said this week they have 71 scholarship players. I mean, that is... That's tough to overcome. Dire. Because, I mean, you look at that offensive line situation, and if Cooper can't play, and if Cooper's backup can't play... And if K, I I don't know what what the status is of all those guys. If you've seen, Cade got tweaked making that tackle yesterday. Um, I, that's not good because it was already like those guys were already going to get worn out tomorrow if they played their best game possible. They were going to get worn out. Where do you turn? And I, it's like it's just not there because of like Pruitt just screwed the pooch for hype like it just is that that's where this team is at and you kind of have to for this season you just have to face that reality I think yeah I mean look a lot of negativity there just now for the Florida game but we have to remember this is pretty much where we expected them to be right here um I'm looking back at my season predictions I had them two and one going into this game Losing their next two games and finishing the season six and six, I honestly feel like there's a chance that they could still exceed my prediction uh, for this season because I still I feel like this obviously the Florida game's a loss. You go to Missouri the next week, is that suddenly? I mean, I had it down as a loss, but I think that's a winnable game for Tennessee if if they if they play well. Yep, I, if you if you can keep getting better. I don't hate Tennessee's chances overall this year, especially just to get to a bowl game, which would be, you can't understate how massive that would be. (laughs) Getting to a bowl game this season and being able to specifically show to recruits, this train is going somewhere. That is, it's just so key. It's been since Lane Kiffin, since a first year head coach did that for the Vols, right? It's true. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> or no, did Dooley? Dooley did it. Oh, yeah. Dude, Dooley yeah. and the freaking North Carolina yes, Music so. City Bowl. Oh, yeah. God. The the lost win. He had two of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah who can forget the LSU game? Yeah. <laughs> um, just on, on the whole, I do, in no way do I want to be this negative. I, <laughs> I had this somebody yesterday. They're like, man, I I'm glad that you're not on Swain Swain event oh, yeah. anymore because you were so negative. Here's the thing: who cares? I, Ten thousand people have told me that at this point. If Tennessee football would be better, I wouldn't have to be negative. If Tennessee football is Alabama, I would be all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it's not good. What are you watching? Hear me talk about Tennessee basketball. I overwhelmingly say more positive things than I say negative things. Overwhelmingly. Because they play well. Because they're good at basketball. (laughs) The 
football team has been a nightmare for 15 years. I'm sorry. I don't know. The administration is run by a bunch of clowns who have ruined this program. It just is the case. I, what do you want me to say? <laughs> that that's not what happened? That is what happened. I can lie to you. I can lie to you. You want me to lie right to your face? No, it's great. <laughs> Tennessee doesn't have depth issues. Tennessee didn't lose last weekend to a team that lost to Western Michigan this Ooh. week. <laughs> yeah, that that. What do you want me to say? That hurt too. I I'm hoping, hoping that that was a a circumstantial thing where Tennessee, you know, played them physical and they just got caught off guard. Weird noon game. I hope, but Pitt, yeah, Pitt lost Western Michigan yesterday. If you did, if whoever's listening didn't see that, um, so that's not. And and my feelings on deal. the Pitt game are still that Josh Heupel coached the game that that Tennessee could have won. They had their opportunities. Sure. They just didn't execute. Um, it was there. It wasn't like a Jeremy Pruitt lost to Pittsburgh, where just three yards and a cloud. Of, you know, they just three and out. Can't run the ball. Can't do anything. Painful to watch. It's a lot different loss. A loss is a loss. No moral victories, whatever. But it felt way different than the Pruitt era. Well, and I said this about about this Florida game. This is my assessment, and I think that this assessment that we're we're giving is correct. You do not have the depth. You are not on the same talent level. It is just not there because this team was absolutely ravaged by transfers. It was ravaged by a clown, moron, idiot coach who destroyed the place and it if you can go this coming week to florida and give florida a game i i think even just giving florida a game gives this team confidence if they can go into the swamp stare florida in the face and go nah we're gonna we're gonna play up we're we're gonna give you a hard time and i think it's i do think that is possible i will say that my philosophy always is because this is the case. Uh, Florida is a loss until it's not. I've said it a ton on this show. It just, I didn't believe it would happen in 2016. And then I finally saw it. And I went, hey, this, I was wrong. Look at that. But I've been right 14 of the last 15 years. <laughs> so um, it's a loss until it's not. But if you could go in and give a hard time to a team that just almost beat Alabama, massive. That is actually massive. You use that, go and beat Missouri the next week. And we're right there. You're right there, I think. this is It sounds super negative because it's the Florida game, but I think if they play Florida close, we get to have a positive conversation next week, strangely. Mm -hmm. Well, two things. One, what you're saying is why I think Milton will be the guy next week just because he kind of will bring that attitude of, hey, we can win this game. Even if they can't, he'll just seems like he'll have that ability to lead the team Two, if, if Florida would have got blown out by Alabama like what Alabama did to Miami this year I this conversation would be a lot different too I mean after watching that if Florida's just they're on a different level than what I thought they were they are and it's it is specifically as I said their offense didn't just like blow me away and, and Alabama's defense in recent years hasn't been the crazy six to th three game of the century type of defense that you had back then they are more offensive centric now um but so their offense didn't just amaze me but that defense is better than i thought that defense is better than i thought it was going to be i will 100 percent say that 
And so it def- that's, that scares me. And it just, it's the assessment that I have to give because as I said, I'm not going to get on here and, and lie about what I'm thinking in my head and just make up some nonsense just to make people feel better. I do, find that somewhere else. Go listen to 99.1. I don't know. That's not my problem. Um, but I, on, on the whole, this, this is going to be a tough, tough game. We kind of just went into the Florida talk without any kind of transition, but it all, it all is one conversation here. This Tennessee Tech game doesn't really matter in the long run. I hope it's it's a nice little springboard, a little bit of confidence, a nice run up to this Florida game. Hey, you didn't have to play Alabama going into the Florida game, and I think that's a factor. That's It's an interesting factor, actually, because I think that game for Florida, it was emotionally draining because you thought you were about to be at Alabama and you lost, and that's huge. Uh, I mean, half the battle is in between your ears. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, incredibly physically draining because Alabama's an absolute monster. Uh, and, and I just think that that does play into Tennessee's hands and you go in, Hey, put yourself in a position to be close. You, you score so quickly. If you can effectively score in mm-hmm. Josh Heupel's offense, put yourself in a position where you're, you're down no more than seven in the third quarter. And you know, it, it could kind of sort of how I, I said this during the pit game last week, you were down seven, I think in the third quarter. And I went, this fourth quarter could end with a 20 point loss or a win. I'm not really sure <laughs> which it could be, but it could be either for sure. Just with the amount of possessions and everything that happens, just a ton can happen in a quarter. And so it just give yourself a chance to win. That's all I want to see. Uh, what, what, what final score or what margin of defeat would you feel okay with make it less th- 10 or less 10 or less. And I go, okay, that is you hung in there. Yeah. To me, I- I'm with you on the whole, if it's a game in the fourth quarter, you pretty much, you lose because you don't have the depth at that point. Exactly. I mean, that's the reason for the loss. Florida has the depth. You don't, that's where the games decide in the fourth quarter. If that's the, if that's the case, then yeah, you've got to feel pretty good about it. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan. Cause I think, I think you can walk away and go. We just gave the probably either, either the best team in the East or the second best team in the East, a tough game. And so what does that make you the third best team in the East, essentially yeah. at this point. And so, Hey, that is that's, something that's realistic. It's that's it still a realistic thing for sure. I mean, do you, did anybody in the same way, do we have differing opinions on this quarterback situation? Did it, does anybody have a differing opinion on the lower half of the SECs? Because I do they look that great? You're no. right there. It's it's all about bridging. And oh man, Pruitt talked about this all the time. Pruitt's brother talked about this. This was bridging the gap. Oh, the 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 gap is closing. The gap is it was never closing. It wasn't closing. Yeah. Don't look at the score. Just listen to what I'm telling you. That was his whole thing, basically. <laughs> Do they look better than when Jeremy showed up? No, they don't. They definitely don't. They look worse. Yeah, Butch Jones was getting closer to Alabama at times than Jeremy Pruitt. And that's Yeah. Butch actually almost beat Alabama. Yeah. That's real. Butch had a lead against Alabama in, in the final two minutes of the football game. What have you done? I can't I cannot believe that. That is still that is real. That actually what if what if? Butch Jones had beaten Nick Saban. Like what? In what? That was so. That was so real. If Tennessee's defense holds in the final two minutes of that game, Butch Jones would have beaten Nick Saban. You had the lead. 
That's so funny to think about. Well, it's it still, was that I mean, close. He, he beat he beat Florida. <laughs> he did, and he beat Kirby Smart. So He's the, now there's asterisks by those wins because of Josh Dobbs and Kirby yeah. Smart's first year and the Hail Mary, all that. But it still happened. It did. <laughs> He's the the toughest thing to say. As much as I I hate Butch and and I don't even get me started. He's the best coach since he's had in the last since Fulmer. He is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I hate it. it. That shouldn't be the case, but it, well, maybe Heupel can change that. And if Heupel, I hope so. I hope I mean, so, man. If Tennessee finishes third, if they if Tennessee finishes fourth in the SEC this year, um, that that's a incredibly wildly successful first season for Josh Heupel. For sure, if you. We already said six, six and six to me is you met the goal. You met the goal at six and six to me in this first season. Seven and five is gravy. Eight and five, you beat Ole Miss at this point, um, or Florida, I guess. But we'll see if that can actually be real next week. Uh, I guess I'm already kind of writing that game off, but uh, that it just means you won a game that you weren't supposed to win, and that's massive. You you just you can't. Six and six would be good. Seven to five would be great. And you just have to look at the situation realistic. I think most fans are. I think they are. The the response that I get, they're fewer and far between for the people that that want to see like 10, ten wins this season. Like it's just not gonna happen. It's just not. I on and and if it does, I how many times have I said this? just I wanna be wrong. I said it all during the Pruitt stuff, man. You remember when people were just bearing down on us because we were like, Pruitt sucks, Pruitt sucks. They were like, no, what if the... And we were like, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I look like a total clown. Guess who wasn't wrong? Me and Zach. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm that guy. So... What's your score prediction then? I just wish you'd go ahead and do that since we've been talking about the Florida game. Yeah, yeah. we're already on it. Yeah. Um, so I said yesterday on the post-game show with Crump, like my initial my initial was like thirty one twenty-four, is what I said. And that would as I said, that means you played them tight and that's good. Now that I watched that Alabama game. Probably like 38-21 is what I say. I think you do score points, but they, like we mentioned, they're not going to have to stack the box to stop the run game, and that's a nightmare for you. It just, that essentially, unless Milton or Hooker has a miracle game where they suddenly become an incredible passer. (laughs) Could happen. I don't know. But unless that happens, I, I just don't see it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very close to your prediction. Uh, I have Florida 37, Tennessee 17. Um, I just, I think maybe it could be close in the first half, and I think just the second half, it it just gets away from Tennessee. The depth is just such a problem. Um, I, I, I just can't see it any other way. I. Hope for the best, but just expect what always happens uh, against Florida. Um, and and you just have to kind of go go from there. 
And I do, I want to end that whole conversation by saying, really emphasizing what we did say. If you can go in and give Florida a good game, you walk out very hopeful that you are the third or fourth best team in the SEC East. And that counts for something truly this season. Mm -hmm. And you just can't forget that. That really does count for something. And I think you got to be encouraged. A moral victory is a loss. In no way am I saying that. You would lose to Florida in that scenario. But, ugh, I hate saying that. But it would actually be good. Go to Missouri the next week and win. Use it as a springboard rather than going, oh, we lost to Florida again. Go be the, the third best team in the SECs. That's what I would say. Yeah, I, I just want to see the scheme work against Florida. I mean, obviously, you want to see Tennessee win. You want to see him connect on big plays. But I want to see the scheme work. I want to see guys open. I want to see that if you had a good quarterback, uh, a really accurate uh, quarterback, that, okay, maybe this game's a little different. Because, look, Josh Heupel's going to find a quarterback that connects on those deep throws. He's done it far too many times his whole career. They'll they'll find the quarterback. He'll it'll be fine. Not everybody out there is going to be throwing the ball out of the end zone like Joe Milton or having these issues. It'll eventually come together. But if the scheme works with talent that's not where Florida's talent is, I mean that would be really encouraging to me. It would be huge, and I I do think the scheme is what gives me a glimmer of hope in this game because if you catch Florida flat footed, like we were saying. They just came off a really emotionally and physically taxing game against Alabama. You catch them flat-footed, not feeling it, and and Emory Jones just has a really off game, and then you find a way to have a, a string uh, of, of offense where you can put up 21 points, and then Florida is struggling. Like, who, who knows? I'm... I don't want to give everybody a ton of, of false hope and act like I've seen something that I think will indicate that Tennessee is going to win in the swamp. But I think this scheme does because you can put up points so fast when it works, when it works. And we've seen it work so far this season at times when you really get it rolling. Um, it, maybe there is a chance there where you you do have maybe Milton does finally put the pieces together. That would be please, 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 please put the pieces together. That's what I want to see so badly. That's all I ever want to see. I rag on Tennessee sports because I love them. They I only say it out of love. Go, go win, please, and prove me wrong. I want to come on here next week and freak out because Tennessee beat Florida. Please do it. Well, Any uh, here, we're, we're wrapping up. It, it ended up just kind of being one cohesive conversation. So we, we got through it a little bit quicker than I thought we were going to. Any other uh, thoughts here before we, we go? Anything we need to touch on, Zach? Uh, outside of this Florida game, uh, one thing I was kind of wanted to hear your opinions on was what did you think about Henry Toto against, Alabama, uh, against Florida yesterday? Because I thought he looked like the one of the weaker links on the Alabama defense. The yeah. issues covering passes. I mean, he, he does not look like the elite guy that we thought he was. It was the same stuff that we saw at Tennessee, I think, where you saw you saw a guy with fire, mm -hmm. um, and you saw a guy that can make physically imposing plays, like one-on-one -on -one tackles and stuff. He's pretty good. 
but yeah, pass coverage is just exposed. And as far as a Nick Saban defense goes, that's just not going to do it. And right. so uh, I completely agree. I don't want to rag on the kid. I mean, you, you make the decision that is best for you. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I completely agree. I think there, there might be a reason he originally went to Tennessee instead of Alabama. Um, and so does it make me feel better about that situation? No, Tennessee could so no, badly use yeah. Henry Toto this year. <laughs> Dude, I so much wish he was still here. Please come back. Um, but yeah, he, he was not, uh, not the guy that probably Alabama was maybe hoping to get, but maybe, maybe he does get better. I guess he's was he a junior now. He's running yeah. out of time, but, uh, no, I mean, I, you, you go there to kind of eliminate the issues you had at Tennessee to get that off of your scouting report. And it looks like it's just still going to be there for him because if you don't get it together under Saban, uh, it, it doesn't look good for your NFL future. Exactly. Uh, and so with that, I think that's, yeah, that's all of it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is the the numbers on this show have been more than I might have ever expected. I don't know why people listen to our nonsense, but I'm glad I'm glad that you do. <laughs> really, seriously, I I don't know. I'm thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. At A to Z Sports, uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Go subscribe there. Won't miss an episode. And, uh, and leave a review saying not just how much you love this show, but how the other shows on the network uh, aren't as good. Go and say that. <laughs> I kid. But if you did it, I, you know, I'd appreciate it. Um, that's all. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later.